Hello and welcome to the Why podcast from Think at London Business School, in which faculty talk about their research and what it means for you, business and society. I'm your host, Zoe Stumpf, and for this episode, my guests are Anya Lambrecht and Xu Zhan. Anya is Professor of Marketing at London Business School, and Xu is Assistant Professor of Marketing. Anya and Xu are here to talk specifically about their research into how TV advertising impacts online sales and what this tells us about the value of field experiments, or A-B testing, to companies looking to gain more value from their marketing activity, exercises that many companies shy away from as being too costly or disruptive. Anya and Zhu, welcome to the Wide Podcast. It's wonderful to have you here and get the chance to explore your research. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, thank you, Zoe. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Firstly, Anya, what's the background to this piece of research? What's the story? So, you know, our companies are typically, especially large consumer good companies, spend uh, a very large amount of money on TV advertising, right? TV advertising has been really important for many, many years. And uh, even though online advertising has gained massively importance in the last decade, a lot of marketing spend still goes into TV advertising, But what we also know is that consumers buy more and more online. Now, that varies a lot across categories. Travel was a category where online sales picked up very early on and now has migrated to a really large extent online. You look at other categories like consumer goods, um, you know, there's a lot of variation. Many of us buy on Amazon, but still go into stores. But, you know, in some, what we do see is that across many different categories, consumer sales or sales to consumers has moved online. And now the question then, of course, is right, if a consumer is exposed to TV advertising, how does that actually translate or does it translate into increased sales online, but also how can you actually measure this, right? And and this is a really important question for firms, given that so much of advertising spent still goes through TV and so much of sales and increasing amount of sales comes in through the online channel. So Shu, the the full title of your research is TV Advertising and Online Sales, a Case Study of Intertemporal Substitution effects for an online travel platform. So it's quite a complex title. There's quite a lot to unpick here, I'm sure. Could you talk us through this piece of research? Yeah, happy to. So as Anya just mentioned, uh, TV advertising is super important for many digital platforms, including the TV industry. And in this paper, we want to look at how to best measure the TV advertising effectiveness on the online sales. Uh, If we look at the current industry practice, one common way to do that is to look at a short time window following a TV ad, Uh, for example, like five minutes or 10 minutes after the TV ad being shown on the TV, then how consumers would react on the online platforms. And many uh, companies, they find that TV advertising do have a strong impact on the online sales. Within that five or 10 minutes window, the online sales respond positively to the TV advertising. So what did you do to kind of challenge this view or or unpick it? So one concern or one um, motivation of this study is we're thinking by focusing on that short window, then we may lose or miss some consumer behavior beyond that five or 10 minutes. 
and this is the focus of the paper. Uh, so we collaborated with this travel platform, and then we run a field experiment by comparing like the regions of the consumers who are exposed to the TV advertising to the consumers who are not exposed to the TV advertising. Um, analyzing data from millions of consumers, we find that, well, industry believe is kind of right that right after TV advertising, there is this positive reaction on the online sales. However, if we look beyond that short time window, the online sales actually dropped to compare to the normal level. And this kind of suggests that consumers are actually accelerating their purchasing behavior due to TV advertising. So that positive spike is not a net incremental uh, revenue for the company, but rather it is just accelerating the future purchase. And so that, of course, depends on the firm, right? So in our setting, we find there's actually no incremental benefit. It, there could be settings where there is an incremental benefit, but still there is some purchase acceleration. So the key part, like one of the key learnings of our paper is to be very careful when you look at these overall short-term spikes, right, um, to find out how much of that is actually an increase and how much of that is really, as she said earlier, taking forward um, sales, purchases that would have happened later anyway. So is, so is that really what you mean by intertemporal substitution? It's this it's acceleration of purchasing. So, so the spend would be the same across a year, but it's just being compressed into a shorter period. I would make this purchase tomorrow. I'm sitting in front of my TV. I see there is an ad, and I'm not even sure we talked about this. The context is here for a travel firm, right, selling packaged holidays. I see there is an ad for a packaged holiday. I grab my, my laptop or my iPad and look at it, and then I book now, rather than waiting a day or two or maybe a week. Right. And so the key point is that, you know, the situation, as she said earlier, right, you're sitting in front of a TV, you have a second and maybe a third screen ready at hand. You just grab the screen and make decisions. Right. And that leads to these huge spikes in search behavior, in online visits or in purchasing potentially. But it's not necessarily incremental. And so to us, that was really a key insight. And we believe that's important for, for firms in many industries where you deal with TV advertising, right? There may be short-term spikes. There may well be such that spikes, but beware, right? Try to disentangle how much of that is actually incremental. And that's really interesting. So how, how, how do you disentangle it? Is, is this to do with the nature of the research and the process that you went so what we did here, or what, what the firm that we collaborated with did is, you know, a field test, a field experiment, where um, part of the, the country, part of the population was exposed to TV advertising, and another part was not exposed. So in one part, the TV advertising campaigns were ran as they would normally have run, the same type of creative and the same type of scheduling, and in the other part, it was essentially just shut off. And so um, this is really, you know, from a research perspective, but also from the perspective of any, you know, data scientist, this is wonderful data, because what it means, you know, speaking very um, 
very simply is I can just compare all those people on average who have seen the TV advertising to all those people on average who have not seen the TV advertising. And I can look at that, you know, even on a level of each minute. Those people who see the TV advertising, right, at the moment that TV ad airs, I can see a spike and can see, hey, let's look at all these guys who didn't see a TV ad. And I really know it's a spike because of the ad, because these guys who didn't see a TV ad didn't have an ad, a spike. But those guys who didn't see a TV ad still continue to form a nice baseline over time. Right, So then I can say, hey, these are actually, this is a really good comparison group. And I can see if later those guys who saw the TV ad maybe have lower sales at some later point in time. Right, And so that is, you know, you know statistically speaking or econometrically speaking, uh, you know, allocating people in those two groups, you, you just randomize uh, individuals, right? You randomly allocate them to one of two conditions. Um, and that really allows you to disentangle these effects. So so this, the nature of this field experiment was really totally fundamental to, to you being able to kind of prove your hypothesis. Here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I think we should come back to that because that's, that's obviously a, a fascinating topic. But just in terms of, of, the re, of what this research revealed, we've talked about um, its ability to maybe challenge some some views about um, the immediate impact of advertising versus the longer term. What what are some of the other takeaways that that you think marketers um, could take away from this? There are some other findings from this research. It's not just about the average effect of the TV advertising, but also how this effect varies across different channels, across different users, across different promotion usage. So, for example, we find that consumers are more likely to uh, respond to this uh TV advertising on their PC device versus their mobile device. Maybe this is specific to the travel industry because here we're looking at the travel purchases, which is a very uh, involved purchase process. So here we see that with the PC device, it's easier for the consumers to make the purchase. But the point that we want to make here is when we consider about the impact of TV advertising on online sales, we want to consider about the different device or different channels or different promotions. And, and anything else? Do you, do you think the impacts could be different for different industries? Or, or am I, I know researchers... Expert researchers don't like to speculate about this, but, you know, could that be a, a possibility? Of course. As Anya mentioned, we uh, we think, like, for this finding of this research, it's based on this company data. If we change to a different company in the same industry or looking at a completely different industry, the finding may be different. But the key thing here is the possibility of the existence of intertemporal substitution effect that applies to all. So like in all the different industries, it's possible that TV advertising would accelerate consumers' purchase process. But the magnitude of that acceleration process is going to vary depending on the product nature, depending on the industry type. So one thing that we hope to look into more is we know that TV advertising are accelerating consumers' purchase. But based on this data that we're currently analyzing, we don't know how much forward the TV advertising has brought consumers' purchase. Is it one week or is it one day or is it one month? But with the current uh, 
analytics capability, like especially this online streaming kind of TV programs, I think there is a huge potential for all those companies out there to kind of coordinate their TV advertising activities with their online activities, and then to make this link to understand better and deeper about how much forward the TV advertising really move those purchase forward in time. That will have some implications for the firm's revenue management about the firm's um, cash liquidity con uh, considerations. Uh, so that is something that we hope for the future research. Thank you. So obviously this has revealed, you know, some some quite interesting findings. There's there's more to be done. But as we said, core to all of this was was the the importance of the field experiment and the ability to segment consumers. So, um, and yeah, other. Other than the arguments demonstrated in this study, are there reasons why companies should should go down the, the field experiment route? Yeah. So in general, you know, the data that companies have, if you're in an ideal world and have access to a lot of, you know, fine grained data, um, it always shows correlations, right? So you might see a firm advertising consumers purchase. But think about it, right? Let's assume you're a toy manufacturer and, you know, you advertise towards Christmas times because there are a lot of people, a lot of parents on the markets buying toys. And that might be a very, very reasonable marketing decision, right? You want to advertise when there might be some potential effect. But if you then look at, you know, over time, advertising, when do firms advertise and when do people buy? And you find there's a correlation between advertising and purchases. It does not necessarily mean that the advertising around Christmas time has actually caused people to buy more of your toys. They happen to be buying anyway when you were advertising, right? And so there are, of course, marketing mix models which try to account for seasonalities. But if you really try seasonalities, other marketing activities, etc., right? But if you really try to disentangle what is the effect of me advertising, say, at Christmas, you need to have the comparison, right? So we call this sometimes the counterfactual. You need to have the what-if scenario. You need to know what would happen if I had not advertised. Right? And so the easiest way to do this is really to have our have some holdout group, right? So some group of individuals who are not exposed to the ads. Um, that is the key reason of um, why field experiments can be important. So, so um, Annie, that, that's really helpful the way you've explained that. But is this particularly pertinent when it comes to digital markets and digital marketing? Yeah, let me tell you a story from, from a different a piece of research I did uh, several years back. So um, there, I mean, you've probably all uh, been followed around the web at some point by products you looked oh, yes. at before, right? So the shoes are the typical example, right? So see, uh, you look at a shoe website and you see this beautiful pair of shoes, maybe red and flashy, and then uh, you don't buy for, I don't know, was too expensive, you didn't like it, maybe you liked it and you didn't have time, plenty of reasons. And so then these shoes follow you around the web, right, in ads, and you see them again and again. Um, and so these type of ads are called retargeted ads. But there are two type of retargeted ads, either the shoes follow you around 
or it's just the brand, right, of the reseller. They might be a generic ad, a generic ad creative for that brand. And so here the question was, well, what's actually better? Should you have a specific ad with a specific product you looked at before, or should you have a generic creative, generic ad with just the brand or a generic image? And um, in general, you know, there was a strong belief in the industry that the specific product is actually the better type of ad, right? And so um, what we ran here, what the firm implemented, and again, it was not in a shoe context, but in a travel context, is indeed a test where randomly users were in the bucket where they saw the specific ad or in the bucket where they saw the um the generic ad, the, just the brand creative, right? And uh, what we found, actually, it's the other way around. The generic ad was way more effective in getting people to purchase uh, than the specific ad. And so we presented that to the firm and uh, they, they adjusted their marketing strategies. So, so the idea of these experiments, you, you've, you've painted a very clear picture of the value that they can deliver to a company in terms of deciding on its marketing and advertising activity. So why don't more companies go down this route? So even though now it seems like a lot of companies realise the value of experiments, but many of the companies are reluctant to take this route, I think overall there are three reasons. The first one is the financial constraint. If you think about it, in order to run an experiment, it can be super costly. Uh, in the case of TV advertising that we discussed earlier, I mean, just thinking about it, like deciding which part of the country you want to run the TV ads, which part you don't run, and for this part of the region that you don't run the TV advertising, there is potential huge profit loss for the company. So whether it's a true implementation cost or it's the potential opportunity cost, companies may... Uh, be concerned about that. So I think that is the first reason. And then the second thing is many companies, they're risk averse. So they're concerned about running this experiment. If I offer a certain price to certain customers, well, offer a different price to a different group of customer. If that is being kind of discovered by the consumers, it may hurt the customer management, the whole brand image of the company. So that is the second concern. And then the third reason, I think, it's a general organizational culture. Um, if for those new tech companies, because from the first day of their launch date, they have this mindset of running experiments. But for a lot of traditional companies, maybe they have a different organizational culture. And for them to change that culture from the top leadership to the bottom, uh, to, to the lower like individual employees, that takes some um transitioning uh, process. And also it's a hard process because it does mean reallocation of management attention to different type of uh, processes or type of decisions. It does, it might mean changing the way decisions are made, right? Or what information decision making is based on. And it does mean reallocation of resources because, you know, you can start a, a B testing small, um, but ultimately, in many settings, it ultimately requires a reasonably large financial expenditures because you will need to implement different systems. 
um, even you need to have data scientists, you need to have managers who um, are trained in making decisions based on this time of data. So it's a transition process. And if I look at firms today relative to 10 or 15 years ago, it's a huge difference. I think many, many firms have come a long way in terms of implementing this. And, you know, partly, uh, you know, digital native firms, but also those who um, are probably not your typical digitally native firms. Could it also be about who's making the decision to do this? So, you know, it's likely to be your your head of advertising or whatever that person is called, who knows most about advertising, who's most likely to ask this type of question. But it's not really in their interest to have their advertising budget cut, which could be, I guess, a logical conclusion of, of you know, the, the findings that you've just explained. Could you think that could be somewhere in the mix as well? Yeah, I think that's absolutely important. It's a problem when, let's say, the head of advertiser fears or feels they have to fear if it turns out that my ad spend is not effective I look bad in the eyes of my boss or and I'm or my, I would I might lose budget and so on because ultimately a culture of a b testing has to go along with the realization that you test because you just don't know right and it's a very different outlook um, of uh being willing and you need the type of organizational culture that supports running um, studies where you find maybe something doesn't work and that's not a mistake it is a part of the learning process right you need to have a test and learn culture which then links back to actually implementing this and this is why I think it's so important that this cannot be started Ideally, it should not be started by the, let's say, the head of advertising or the head of marketing, but it must be a, a much broader decision. Now, I have seen firms where this is where it started. The pressures in terms of generating revenues or they were losing towards competition were so hard. There was more of a you know, ground effort and started with Excel sheets and very low tech. And ultimately, these teams were able to prove how much value they can generate by that, right? Because they just tried out different things and then they find something works so much better and they get more customers and more sales, right? And then you have a wonderful sales pitch internally for showing, hey, this is something we really need to invest in. This is something where we need to invest into the tech at large scale. Uh, we need to train our people and it's okay to try out and find stuff doesn't work because then others will. So do you have any advice for companies thinking about field experiments that, um, but they might not know what the first step or the, or the best step is to take? Shu, any, any views on that? So first, if the company is interested to start with field experiments, that's a great initiative. But the first thing they need to think about is what is the objective of running the experiment? Before they design experiment, I guess the first thing they need to think about is why. Like, what is the thing that I want to look at here? What is the outcome that I care? What is the marketing activity that, as a firm, I have the capability to actually change? So when the firm has a very clear objective, then I think that kind of sets the right foundation for a good experiment. And then after knowing a clear goal of the experiment, then my suggestion for the firms who want to tap into the field experiment for the first time is to start small. 
So don't run like a whole country level of experiment. Just to start with a pilot experiment, running it on like thousands of consumers, and then to see whether this experiment makes sense to the consumers, whether the firm has a technology to support implementing this experiment. Just in terms of technology, right? So I think it's easy to underestimate how much can go wrong. So uh, a good thing is always to run an AA test, where essentially you randomize your, let's say, users, customers into two groups. But rather than showing one of them, let's say, the ad and showing the other group not the ad, or you know, typical examples are often website experiments, right? You show a green button or a red button, show them both the red button. So you should get the same result. Uh, but maybe your technology didn't quite work as intended. And maybe you will find significant differences, right? And so, um, so that's very useful to run an AA test to make actually sure you've got the technology under control and that you can actually really trust your AB test later. Yeah, that's a super important step, and that also kind of related to the next point I want to mention is running experiment is just a part of the process. The key thing is also about how to analyze the data. So as Anya mentioned, like you want to run an AA test, but then the next thing is you want to analyze the data using the data result to confirm the validity of the experiment, and then you want to iterate this whole process. For the A/B testing, and then from A/B testing, you can run another analysis based on the new data, and then re-optimize the whole process. So this is never like a one-step process; it's always a reiterating process. Thank you both. That was absolutely fascinating. I've learned a lot, um, certainly about the value of um, this piece of research and what it could demonstrate to the market as a whole. But also this this fascinating question of A/B testing, this sort of field experimenting that we've talked about. So thank you both so much. It's it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Zoe. It was a real pleasure. It was a really good discussion. I thought. Thank you, Zoe. It's a pleasure. The Why Podcast is brought to you by the editorial team at Think at London Business School. Follow us here for more episodes, or find us on iTunes or Spotify. For more faculty research insights, go to london.edu forward slash think. You can also sign up there for our free regular email newsletter to get updates on our latest publications direct to your inbox. Thank you very much for listening.